Storm Bowling Products. The Bowlers Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Chris Barnes. Chris has 21 PBA titles. Chris bowled collegiately at Wichita State University. Chris is also the host or co-host of the Beef and Barnsey podcast, depending on who you ask. Chris, it's Tim Berg and Coach Casey of Clemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's nice to talk to the smart people and, uh, you know, for a little bit and, and uh, maybe I'll learn something here today. <laughs> well, when anybody that knows anything about being smart on the lanes and off, it's yourself. And I think a lot of people know your knowledge of the sport is tremendous and it really covers all the different aspects of the sport too, as well. And you recently uh, spent a little time here in Brigham city and got to dig into the minds of, you know, Alex Hoskins and, and Hank Boomershine as well. And uh, a few other folks trying to maybe uh, get a little different perspective or take on, uh, on, uh, the sport. So why don't you talk a little bit about your time here and kind of what you took away from it? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've been struggling a little bit. And so, uh, I mean, I guess the best thing I always felt like was when that's going on is you, you address, you address the questions and there's, there's more questions than answers. So I went, I went and worked with Mark Baker for a couple of days and got my physical stuff kind of re-straightened out and, and kind of some keys to, to refocus on again. And then from there I came to, to uh to see you guys and um you know if if i'm perceived as smart it's only because i've been around some really really smart guys and and was in a rare case of uh of non-stubbornness actually listened to them so uh, <laughs> uh you know I, I i figured out a long time ago you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room as, as long as you th- those guys are your friends and so uh uh, I came there, and, and you and, and Alex and, and Hank uh, were able to, to shed some light on some different things and answer some questions that uh, kind of feeling like they might be that, but you have data and you've done tests and you've done done some things that they made it verifiable and, and more than just a feeling, but uh, you know had had hard proof of of these things matter and and was able to do some some different drillings and some things that. Uh, that I hadn't done in the past and, and some of them that uh, went against the conventional thinking of, of how things work. And uh, it was pretty enlightening to me uh, in a lot of aspects. And now we're, uh, we're putting it into play and, and bowling some tournaments and seeing how the, how some of these balls with, uh, with some of those different ideas, how they work with some of the old ones. And, and uh, it's, you know, uh, kind of renewed, have a renewed vigor for what's going on. I'm excited about the U S open coming up on the senior side and the masters and, and feel like I have some, uh, some options and, and some, you know, from a ball standpoint and, and, uh, lets me do some of the things I like to do most when I'm bowling physically. So Chris, when it comes to preparation, talk about how a 25 year old Chris Barnes would prepare for PBA events versus maybe a 35 year old Chris Barnes, versus a 51-year-old Chris Barnes who's out there competing on the PBA 50 tour? Uh, it, it has changed. Uh, I mean, one at 25, uh, you know, I, 
I was dating my lovely wife, but we were both kind of bowling for a living. And, uh, and so we, I mean, I guess at 25, I wasn't even dating her yet. Uh, I was on team USA and I basically, you know, I was in Wichita and we bowled, I probably bowled 350 days a year out of 365. So, uh, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of days off. We had, you know, Wichita is one of the best bowling environments in the world. You can go into a bowling center pretty much any time of day and practice. And, and, uh, and so I bowled a lot more games at 25, certainly to do at 50. Um, at 35, that changed a little bit because we had kids and we had some, some of the things going on, but still, uh, you know, one of the great things about being married to someone who, who bowls for a living as well is, is that you carve out times where you can, uh, you can work on your craft around all the other uh, family obligations and, and things that need to get done. So I uh, uh, still bowled a lot, uh, not maybe quite as much as 25, but at 50, my body can't handle, you know, that many games in a week without, uh, without repercussions. And so uh, the practice now has to be way more focused, uh, you know, way less wasted wasted energy wasted shots and and uh and so it, it you know i come in with a plan that's pretty specific and i'm working on those same things and and uh you know on patterns or different things but there's a there's a purpose every time i walk in there whether it be with bowling balls or physical game or many times a combination of the two and try and maximize that time so that i'm not wasting it uh and then you know so my body's still in shape and ready to go well, you mentioned Wichita there and, and kind of the knowledge base and, and what it's like sort of being in that environment in that city. And, uh, you know, you grew up not too far from there, uh, from Topeka, you know, in Topeka there. And uh, uh, the experiences uh, that I had as well in Wichita, obviously, were very, you know, I, I thought, you know, very similarly about that, where there's just people. And when you're around great people, you have a tendency of picking up. Uh, a lot of things that maybe you didn't even initially seek out trying to learn. Is that, is that why you also, and did that go behind you, uh, your decision to, I don't know, did you even push Ryan to go or consider to go there? Or was that entirely on his own doing? He had choices of where he wanted to go, but we might've used our connections to at least make, give him the opportunity to talk and get his own feedback from, from where he wanted to go. And, uh, but you know the one of the one of the great things about which some we did stress it was that yes inside the program you'll get great coaching and all that but one of the biggest benefits of all is 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 the environment itself that you'll learn no matter what the the amount of competition that's around there you'll pick up things from from lots of different players because there will be no matter what level you're at the best bowler in Wichita at Wichita State is almost never that bowler. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. inside of Wichita itself. There's always someone around the city who's who's either more accomplished or or more experienced or, or has has some things and some tools that you don't have. And so even when you're the best player in college there, uh there's something there's somebody somewhere around the city that's doing something better than you and so you keep improving and you keep working at it. And uh I don't know that I don't know if there's very many other places that offer that environment from a city standpoint. Uh, there's there's a lot lot more programs now that have good coaching, uh, but I don't think they offer the the depth of good players that say Wichita has around and uh, and still hangs around. So, 
And Chris, we have a lot of uh, collegiate bowling parents who listen to this show. And now as a, as a former collegiate bowler, you and your wife, and now as collegiate bowling parents, what advice do you have for those parents listening to this show if, if they are allowed to go and watch their son or daughter compete at a uh, collegiate event? Advice if they're allowed to watch? If uh, uh, it, with actually, COVID, of course. Cool. Like if you're a lot, like if they're allowing visit, like depending on you know the amount of mm-hmm. people that are allowed, et cetera. Yes. Uh, well, actually, I mean, we haven't been allowed to watch them play yet in a collegiate event. So, by and large, everything we've watched has been live streamed. Uh, we got to watch my niece play a few times, and you know, and in that case. Uh, you know, he was being coached by Billy Murphy, an ex-teammate of, of mine. And, and uh, you know, I guess maybe sometimes the hardest part is when you sit in the back, that, uh, you think you have some solutions. And uh, uh, the thing I see maybe parents overstep the most is that they, they don't go through the coaching staff all the time uh, with their thoughts, which means they haven't brought up, you know, they don't have a working relationship where that's possible. And uh, and that's where the breakdown happens sometimes. I think when parents try and overstep the coach's side of things, if you work within within the program and within the system, the whole thing builds and and it gets better. And uh, uh, when they they try and take over their own kids for their own kids' coach, there I think sometimes that uh, it interferes with the uh, the team aspect of things. But uh, not, probably the probably the best part about it is being able to sit and watch and uh, and the hardest part and, and not have any control over those balls going down the lane and uh, all you want is is for them to to enjoy the success that, uh, that you think they're capable of and and uh, so you enjoy the successes and you you empathize with the heartbreaks and uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know you work on how to get better for the next time because at college age very few of those events are your last events they're all just kind of practice for the next one so um, just try and keep better, get better each time. And uh, if you're going to make mistakes, make different ones. <laughs> Throw a bad with a different ball, right? Wasn't that one of Del Bow, <laughs> one of his favorite things? Yeah, Gaines' thing too, I think, was, uh, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to throw a bad, throw a bad from a different place. Right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, one of the one of the funny things, you know, when we're talking about ball motion, I don't, I mean, and you're looking at it. Sometimes it's so the things or the errors or whatever you're doing on the lane seems so obvious from the concourse, and sometimes it's so hard to see, you know, why you're actually bowling. And you just talked about live streaming. I mean, how many times have you have you been bowling a singles tournament, for example, yourself or something? You go back and you watch the replay, or you look at something, and you're like, well, no wonder I didn't win, or no wonder I didn't didn't bowl well that block, you know. Yeah, 3D versus 2D is 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 more than just a uh, phenomenon. I think uh, from the foul line, you you lose you lose that third perception, and uh, you don't re- sometimes you don't realize how hard you're throwing it or where the ball is picking up at and where it's missing, and uh, you're too wrapped up sometimes in your own feelings versus versus the, the facts and. Uh, uh, from behind where you're not emotionally attached to the, the feel of a ball coming off your hand. Sometimes it gets much easier to be objective and, and uh, yeah, that one's going too long or that one's going too far. I mean, we sat and watched the U S open show just two nights ago and, and uh, man, you're watching Josie's first couple of shots. You know, wow, that ball goes a long way. 
and uh, and you know she was able to strike a couple of shots, and then it just it just went kept going by it, and then she went from an X two down to a to a UFO alert. The ball picks up a little bit more in the mid lane, and she's able to throw a key double to win the U.S. Open. And uh, you know she was able to to see it herself, and it's it was an awfully fun thing to watch somebody who uh, who you know we're pretty fond of in this household too. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it it's that's where coaching comes in such a big part of bowling, and I think it's maybe underemphasized of how important it is both both physically and then and then in game coaches, which lots of times are two different skill sets, but uh, but they're equally important. And Chris, when it comes to Josie, we we um, we actually had her on the show. Uh, not too long ago uh, and uh, I'm curious she had talked about how she prepared for bowling for for that six-figure payday possibly going into it how did you prepare you had you've had the same opportunity a few times in your career how did you prepare uh, yourself going into uh, knowing that that much money was on the line uh I, I mean the the blessing and curse has actually got a quite a few chances and uh and was able came in with some different uh, game plans as far as, and, and it is different. Like in this case, she was the top seed, and you sit around. You I mean you get to bowl in the lanes before the show, and then you sit around for an hour and a half before you get to bowl. Uh, sometimes in these two-hour shows, and, and it it seems like forever. And how do you keep yourself? You know, do you take time off and then restart up again? Do you bowl the whole time? Uh, do you, you know, how do you get yourself? And the hardest part is when you sit for that long is your adrenaline level doesn't match in the practice side what it's going to match when you end up coming over to the TV pair. And that's the hardest thing to recreate. And so as I had more experience that, I was really trying to match what my, what my intensity, what my adrenaline, what my nerve, <laughs> anxiety, whatever that level was going to be, was to try and get that matched up and play in that moment as much as possible as I came over to the pair. So I wasn't going through the huge spike from, you know, a few practice shots to win, uh, when we started keeping score. And as I got better at that, I did, I got better with the first couple of frames and you get off to good leads and a lot of times good things happen. And then you having the, you know, green jacket yourself too. I mean, that's, you got to have a little bit, you know, different insight and appreciation for what Josie was, was going through there. I mean, she was talking a little bit about the way the lanes play, uh, but also the fact that, you know, when she came out uh, on the telecast, that it was just kind of fire city. You know, she was like, <laughs> she was trying to kind of keep it under control, but she was, she's like, Hey, I, I, threw, I got a couple strikes early, but then man, it was just impossible not to just feel like I was throwing it a hundred miles an hour. I love the fact that Josie just owns who she is and, and it's so under uh, appreciated that people who know who they are and they know what, what they're going to do. Uh, she kind of relied back on the same thing in a previous telecast. It was maybe one of her first ones and, and Rob Gotcha was her ball rep and, and Rob's like, you got to slow down. You know, your ball's going too long. And she goes, no, I'm going to throw it this hard. There's no way I'll be able to throw it slower. I'm so jacked up. You have to slow the ball down. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> he took a pad, he hit a ball, and she goes and runs the ladder, basically. And after mm. the show, she goes, 
what did you hit that with? And he kind of looks down a little sheepishly and she goes, 360. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But, you know, for her, she knows she's going to get in that situation. And then one of the things she's great at is speed control. But in that moment, that's not, that tool's not, not her best tool. And so she doesn't waste a lot of time trying to do something that's going to be really hard for her to repeat. She goes with, with balls and options that let her play to, to she, she just embraces who she is at that moment. And then, and then makes her decisions uh, based off that. And, uh, you know, I think her record, I mean, she hasn't been the leader that much and she's, she's run the ladder, I think at least twice, maybe three times for titles. And, uh, mm-hmm. She's got a really solid game that holds up under pressure, and she knows who she is, and so she plays to her strengths. And, uh, you know, that, that tends to be pretty good. That stress tests very well as, as also. Chris, one of the other things she mentioned was how she's not out there competing every week for a check to help pay the rent. She, she has a full-time gig that she's doing. She loves bowling, loves competing, obviously loves winning and wants to win every time she shoes up. That has to be something you see at least to a little bit of a degree while you're out there competing on the PBA 50 tour. Well, I think there's still guys out there that are playing like that. There's so, but but very few. You know, there's a few on the on the lower end of the 50 side that are still trying to bowl for checks and bowl for a living, so to speak. Uh, but I I thought right away the first thing I noticed was the difference between the regular tour and the PBA 50 tour is the is the the TBA tour is a bunch of a bunch of guys scrapping and clawing and trying to make a living, and uh, and the PBA fifty tour is a bunch of guys who are doing what they want to do because they've already made their living, by and large. And so, you know, they're competitive by nature. They've been successful, so they can take time off and uh, of whatever their job or business is, and and uh, and chase chase what might be a dream or or just continue on a dream. But uh, but for the most part, it's it's a little bit more relaxed because it's not the the end all be all. Where where uh, you know on the regular tour, there's a lot of guys that are they're, they're bowling for rent and and trying to make, pay the next bill. And these guys are just they're just chasing a, a feeling. They want to they want to win one more time. They want to you know get a check, uh, make the finals, uh, you know beat Pete Weber, whatever their their goal and is they want to feel that one one time and and live out that dream and and uh uh, and so it's a little bit more relaxed for the most part out there versus the the regular tour for sure well and we just had uh had yourself and pete weber we're in here for we had a video with a group uh, called veritasium for any of the listeners they uh, might be familiar they have almost 10 million uh, subscribers to their YouTube channel. Um, and, and we can't wait to, we'll be seeing that, um, actually come up on the YouTube channel here shortly, but, you know, talking with Pete Weber, I mean, he's led three tournaments now this, I mean, talk about a fire in his belly still. I have not seen any loss in, uh, any desire to win out of Pete in, no, in chatting think, with the. Yeah, I agree completely. I don't think his desire has gone anywhere. I think he had some injuries for a little while, and if anything, it kind of rekindled things for him. And so he's the healthiest he's been, at least from uh, by watching him. But anyway, looks like the healthiest he's been in three, four, maybe five years. And uh, and like you said, he led, he led three out of the first 
six or seven tournaments, I think it was. And, uh, you know, he's, he's still got the things that make him unique and, and his competitive spirit and his, and his ability to repeat that, that, uh, uniqueness sometimes really, really sets him apart now, uh, every bit as much as it did 30 years ago. It's, um, it, it's pretty cool to watch, except when you're competing against him. Then I don't... <laughs> yeah, that is that is it, and we could definitely see that even just in our video shoot there. So, <laughs> hey, final <laughs> final question I've got for you, Chris. Uh, so you have you and Stu Williams are part of a you know very popular show. I love it. It's fun, entertaining, educational. Uh, Beef and Barnsey. So who was the brains uh, behind this show? Was it Beef or was it Barnsey? Uh, uh, it, it really depends on which one of us you ask most of the time. Uh, <laughs> Tina and Linda are the brains behind everything for us. So, uh, uh, we actually talked about it before this all happened, and, and then COVID hit, and we're like, well, let's give this a go. And then uh, we we really kind of are team never wrong. I mean, neither one of us is ever wrong. So, But we actually don't agree <laughs> with each other all that much either, which makes it interesting. But uh, – he he is uh, really dove into the editing, uh, you know, some crunching some of the numbers, how to how you're supposed to post and when you're supposed to post on different things, and, and certainly taking over on that side. And uh, you know, I'm the tech guy, whatever. I don't know. He's probably the brains of the operation, is what I'm really trying to say. And uh, I, I, I'm just relying on uh, on my credentials to be there. So. Well, you guys do a great job. <laughs> we try and have a good time. He, he's really entertaining. I think we, we offer a couple of different perspectives for sure. And, uh, you know, ironic as we started out as, as we were friendly, uh, and, and we've come, we've become really, really good friends out of the whole deal. And that's, uh, that's certainly been a positive out of the, the whole deal with somebody that you basically end up talking to almost every day. Sometimes that's not how it works out. Uh, but, uh, especially two fairly strong personalities that are fairly opinionated, but uh, it, it does work out. And he's been, you know, without him, there certainly wouldn't be as much success as there is to the show because of uh, all the, all the work he's put in the background and he's a gadget guy. So he's, uh, he's kept mm -hmm. up and found new ways to make things work and, and uh, easier ways to uh, easier ways to make it go and make it happen. So, uh, but uh yeah, it, it's been an awful lot of fun, and now and now uh, Justin Bones, who's done a, a podcast, I think he's uh, he's helping Wichita State uh, into the uh, into the 2020s as well, and uh, with their live stream capabilities and some of the things they're showing tryouts and different things and doing a and doing it at a higher level than before. So, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch the tryouts. Well, sort of, as you can remember from tryout days, it's oh. a grind. Oh, so, it's a grind. Yeah. Yeah, 180. 180 is still a good game there. It hasn't changed. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's just uh, – it brings back memories. Not all of them are pleasant, but uh, it, it's more fun to watch that part than it is to uh, to have bolded, I think, at times. Awesome. Well, great stuff, Chris. Thanks for joining us today, and um, all the best of luck as you continue bowling and, and, and actually everything. I feel like as, uh, you know, probably being out on tour, you felt busy, but with everything you got going on now, you're probably uh, just as busy as you were when you were bowling every uh, every event. 
Well, actually, I am bowling every event, but the fact that I don't make as many cuts as I used to gives me more free time, I guess. Uh, and, and the fact that that you don't know that means I'm not bowling as well either. So, uh, um. <laughs> I well, that's why you're here in, in Brigham City, though. That's why we're changing that around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when it, when it's broken, you got to go see the people that are smarter than you. And uh, uh, yeah, I knew Alex and Steve. And uh, and Hank were smarter than me, and then the Veritasium guys came in there as well and uh, put a whole new level to things. They started asking me questions that I thought I I thought I knew the answers to most every bowling question, and they, and I I just had to turn over and go, yeah, you guys are up. I I they, they lost me a minute ago. I I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> something about having a PhD in physics, something like that. I guess it you know that definitely means something. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, you guys could still answer the questions, though. I, I was uh, I had deer in the headlights. He was talking about things. I Well, I've heard of the terms, but I, I don't even know what they mean, let alone how they apply. So uh, I, I'm actually excited, I think, as you guys are, to see how that turns out because uh, uh, there were some really cool things they were talking about. I'm excited about the new the new things that you've been talking about with, uh, with Storm and the, the layout system and the 2LS. I think those are we got some revolutionary things that are going to break down some stereotypes of, of, you know, what people think and, and they assume about ball layouts and, and all the factors that go into that. So, uh, uh, I'm excited to be part of this group and, uh, and, and happy that you, uh, you guys shared some of that information with me and, and let me, uh, let me benefit from, uh, from hanging out with the smart guys. Definitely an exciting time in our sport. That's for sure. It, it's changing <laughs> in a lot of different ways. So you get on the train and get run over by it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll uh, touch base with you soon. And uh, uh, thanks for all your time and good luck. And, and we'll see you on the lane soon as well. I look forward to it, guys. Have a good one.